0: Hey, I know you're here for the podcast, but give me 30 seconds to talk about a new service we just released for anyone working in a CPG brand. Finding the perfect co-packer or supplier can be a real pain. You spend hours Googling options, texting your colleagues, asking around different Slack groups, and still you get nothing. That's why we created Fiddle Connect Consulting, a done-for-you service that does all of the hard work of finding your dream co-packer or supplier. Best of all, it's 100% guaranteed, and you get three free months of Fiddle Inventory Operations software included. Interested? Just go to lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. That's lp.fiddle.io forward slash FCC. Now, on with the episode.
1: Welcome to the Physical Product Movement, a podcast by Fiddle. We share stories of the world's most ambitious and exciting physical product brands to help you capitalize on the monumental change in how, why, and where consumers buy. I'm your host, Ken Ojuka. episode, I speak with Margaret Wishingrad, co-founder of Three Wishes Cereal. In this interview, we talk about the opportunity that she saw in the crowded and competitive breakfast cereal market while feeding her young and very picky son. Using her experience in marketing and advertising, she began to do product and consumer research. This wasn't her first rodeo. Margaret outlines the principles that she refused to compromise on and the trends that she aligned her brand with, which helped Three Wishes find great product positioning. Three Wishes was able to find success in retail, getting into Sprouts, Whole Foods, and Wegmans pretty early out the gate. She explains why she felt her brand resonated with these buyers and the hole these buyers were trying to fill on their shelves. Margaret was an open book with a great story for food and beverage entrepreneurs. Enjoy. All right, Margaret, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Ken.
1: Yeah. Hey, where, where are
0: you calling from? I'm calling from Westchester County in New York.
1: Okay. And I'm seeing pictures of, of your family uh, here on your on the website. You told me that you have another kid and he's not featured here on the website. Not yet. Do you, you have plans yeah. on putting him on there or no?
0: I don't know. Maybe he'll make it to the website. Um, I was actually really secret, like private and secretive with Ellis, who's now super public. But yeah, I like to keep my kids uh, hidden sometimes, but maybe one day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, um, you know, we'll talk about the, you know, um, your company and uh, the three wishes, the name, where where that came from, everything, and so I think maybe that will make a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. So we want to drill into your story and kind of hear everything about how you started your brand. But first, let's kick it off with with a quote. Is, is there a quote that comes to mind that you could share with the audience?
0: Yeah, I mean, I love the Walt Disney quote that all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. I think courage and pursuit are two massive parts of the entrepreneurial journey and really, you know, a lot of what, what I do every day. It's a good reminder to be like, you got it, pursue it. You got the courage, just just run with it. So it's important to have those both.
1: No, I love it. And I love actually Walt Disney as an entrepreneur. I think he was a fascinating entrepreneur. I read a book on him about a year ago actually recommended by one of the the Airbnb founders. But anyway, it was incredible. So yeah, I like the quote. Thanks. Yeah. So, you know, for those that don't know you, why don't you tell us just a little bit about your background and then we can dig into your company and, and the origin story behind that.
0: Cool. Yeah. So I am Margaret Wishingrad, one of now four Wishing but when we started the brand there were three of us. My husband is my co-founder, human life partner, business partner, all all you know insert partner that is Ian together we have an ad agency here in New York called Big Eyed Wish and so that was our past life slash still something we dabble in but advertising and marketing is our like passion and love and we we really enjoyed building brands for small clients that would come to us with um, a vision and innovation and then we also really loved working with the fortune tens and fortune hundreds of the world. And you learn a little bit of you know, from everything. And I think naturally we've always wanted to be on the other side where agency is service. It was really exciting for us to be on the other side, which is like physical, tangible products and goods. And so for us, the real story started when I was a mom for the first time and looking for products to feed my child, to develop his pincer skills, which is like when you you put your pin your pointer finger and your thumb together to, to pick something up and pin pinch it, and Cheerios and cereal in general was a recommendation, and it was one of those like, "Whoa, I haven't had cereal in the longest time. Am I the only one that feels this way? You know, is this a Is there a problem in the category? And I turned to Ian after really taking a deeper dive. I realized you know even at the Whole Foods of the World there's really not all that there aren't that many healthy options there and the regular conventional aisle is super duper unhealthy still all the same classics from when I was a kid right. and so I kind of spoke to a ton of you know moms, parents, um grandparents and just like single adults and, and really asked them, hey, have you been consuming cereal? And if not, why? What was the driver that you know really caused you to stop eating it? And so realized there were really no options in the market for neither myself, my family, or friends and family. And so we thought, okay, great, we could do this. We can the same way people have revolutionized pasta and tortilla chips and all these other things that used to be a little bit more taboo are now there's a healthier alternative. And so. We decided, all right, let's do it. Let's create a product that promises the taste and experience and nostalgia of cereal while delivering the healthy macros that we know the consumers are really starting to, to look for. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the beginnings of Three Wishes and, and what you know, inspired us to start it. And here we are now.
1: Oh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, what kind of timeline? Like when when did you do this and, and how long have you guys been been around?
0: Yeah, so we so when Ellis is now four and a half, when he was six months old is when I came up with the idea. It took Mm -hmm. us two years to do the product innovation because apparently it is very difficult to create cereal and not only creating cereal, healthy cereal. So that took two years. So we launched October, 2019. Within two weeks of launch, we had authorization from Wegmans, Sprouts, Whole Foods. And so we became a national brand pretty quickly and it was really... It was also a super interesting time because it was kind of right before the pandemic. So we've, we've had to like shift for a little bit and shift that. It's been really fascinating. But yeah, we launched now. We've been in market for two years.
1: Yeah. So the, the pincer, skills, pincer skills example that you, that you mentioned is something that we're thinking about. We've got a little seven-month-old, um, yeah. you know, who's just beginning to eat solids. And so we're trying to give him stuff with some texture and, you know, all of that. Teaching them how to use a spoon. Oh, and so the Cheerios will be coming, coming soon. And maybe, maybe what we need to do is three wishes instead. Three
0: wishes. That is exactly it.
1: <laughs> okay. So, so I love the story. I love um, that, that you're solving a problem that you ran into, you know, so it's something that you identify with. I'm very interested in maybe digging into a little bit of how you approach this, especially with your advertising and branding mm-hmm. background. And then, you know, maybe, maybe we can talk about COVID. And, you know, it's how, you know, maybe it affected your business and, and, and what you guys did. So, yeah, let's, let's go back to, you came up with the idea, you thought that this was good. It sounds like you did some uh, customer research by talking to, to friends um, and, and people that you knew. Did you formalize that in any way, or did you do, you know, were you able to draw on your, you know, sort of advertising background in order yeah. to conduct that research?
0: Yeah, I think it was really just like doing the same thing we've done for clients which is you identify the issue, you create the strategy, you create the briefs and we've really identified and that helps us, you know, both in an R&D perspective and in every other sense the brand is really dialing it down to what are you hoping to accomplish here? One, what's the problem you're solving? Is this a true problem? Pulling panels, doing the research, looking for size of the entire market and industry, seeing if you know if there were disruptors, what happened, and really doing a full deep dive on that side. And then on the product side, I think really laying over a ton of trends that are both applicable to myself and my family, like you know, cleaner, better ingredients. Higher protein for me, like breakfast, really taking down the sugar. Another big thing is we're seeing in, just inflammation overall from gluten, from grains. So it was really important for us to include all of those things. So it was a lot that we were trying to nail in one product, but it really helped us to kind of lay all of those things over each other and go, okay, I think eight grams of protein feels like a really good space and a range for where we want to net out on the protein. Three grams of sugar definitely feels like a really nice safe space of sugar. And those little things helped us then dictate what formulation would look like. And then on the formulation side, it was, you know, we are not, food scientists by any stretch. And so for us, it was finding the right person that could create and craft the perfect product for us. And so that took a ton of networking to get to, but what was really interesting is even my function agency side, as I always got involved in creative, but um, something I always did really well was the operational portion. So where my husband and I divide a little bit is he's definitely all marketing and um, really into the creative part of the business. Mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. reflects in cereal as well. And then I w- am way more operational. So as much as building a beautiful brand and knowing how to capture the consumer is important. For me, the most important thing and why we really took the two years was making sure my product landed. I was creating a product for my child who was super picky and no amount of marketing or fancy banner ads or any of, or influencers would ever matter to my child and probably any other child for that matter. And so for me, it was the food product that I was most focused on. And once I had sign off from my then two-year-old is when we went to market. For him, cereal became indistinguishable. He It was really, he enjoyed eating our cereal. And I was so happy as a parent to be able to feed him chickpea, pea protein, tapioca versus nutrient deficient grains. And that's kind of the approach we took.
1: Do you, was there anything surprising that you uncovered during that that phase? It's,
0: It's so hard. It's so highly technical. It's not... It wasn't like, hey, we tried, you know, 20 different recipes for a pizza crust. It requires insane machinery, insane minimums. Just it's a much bigger scale thing. And and then when you think about cereal, it's one of the largest aisles in a store with the most colors, the most skews, characters. It's a really huge category and it's Hmm. really dominated by three big players. And, And there are reasons to that, right? It's a very difficult thing to break through into, And additionally, retail, which is something we were really focused on, we wanted to be a product that, you know, as an as a parent, or even like when I was single, I thought about my consumer behavior. And do I order stuff online all the time? Absolutely. But when I think about, you know, oh, I'm hungry, I'm craving something, or I want to go buy something. It's oh, you hop in the car, you walk to the store, and you pick up your box of cereal from the shelf. And I wanted to have a product that was way more attainable than like, hey, you order it, you wait two weeks and you get it. And so retail is interesting because the only way that you're able to be on that shelf is if you kick someone else off, right? They're not adding additional square footage to a store. Mm -hmm. And so you really have to come with a true interesting, you know, proposition for the consumer and for the buyer slash retailer. And that's what that was, you know, something that we really had to consider is, is why would they remove a SKU that's already generating revenue? And why am I so special? So we really worked on creating that special product.
1: And so, you know, if you had to distill it, I know it's, you know, it's a lot of concepts and, you know, I could just only imagine the challenge of trying to fit all those into one product, but, you know, what do you think it is that, that allowed you guys to, to get that retail distribution pretty quickly?
0: Um, I think this was an aisle with no real innovation. I think we gave the consumer permission to consume something they knew and loved so much. I think you think about cereal and it instantly takes, or at least me instantly takes you back to childhood. And like, there was like something naughty about it and delicious. And it just filled that same, I think it almost fills that same void that pizza fills in a way where like, it gives you some sense of comfort. And so I think consumers were really excited by that. Hey, I can eat this. It has protein, it has fiber. It has a lot less sugar. These are great cleaner ingredients. There's no, you know, artificial fortifying it with anything else. So I think that was the thing that really excited everyone. And so buyers were, were excited to bring something new in and have something exciting for everyone else to try. So I think it was really having the solution for the real problem and identifying that it was actually a problem.
1: Is this a, a problem that you had to convince the buyers or do you think that they already had identified it? No, They're just they, looking for a good product.
0: Yeah, I mean, cereal overall prior to last year was um, really, it was a, like pasta for a while, it was a declining category as people started to steer away from it, understanding how it affects overall health. But I think we're just in a different generation. My parents, I, I'm an immigrant, but when my parents immigrated here, um, I had all these sugary cereals in my house. My parents took me to McDonald's and now I think it's a completely different thing where like you know, myself and my peers, that was something that was allowed then. I think we just know better as a generation of what we can and can't feed our children, what we shouldn't fuel our bodies with. So I think all of these buyers knew and they saw that they weren't growing that cereal set as a category and this new exciting product gave them the opportunity to create an additional revenue stream for their stores Mm
1: mm-hmm well um, where did you guys immigrate from
0: i was born in israel and my parents are from the former soviet union and so we came here and i grew up in brooklyn and it was really syria was so american and i think that's what was always so fun about it as well as a kid like it gave me a sense of america
1: yeah yeah it's interesting that you say that so i'm from uganda as well so I'm, so I'm in, well, I guess I'm an immigrant as well. But one of the things that I remember when we moved to the States, you know, seven years old, we were staying with a family friend and they came down for breakfast and they had cereal at the table. And it was probably the worst cereal to to choose in terms of like sweetness and sugar, you know, and just completely overwhelmed these, you know, these people from Uganda, we had Frosted Flakes. And I remember yeah. just almost being appalled at how sweet it was, sweet, and the, yeah. the idea that you're supposed to pour, you know, milk over it. It was also foreign to, to yeah. us, you know.
0: Yeah, it's it's so true, and we see that even like with Europeans, you know, they're usually such a popular thing in Europe, and their cereals are a lot less sweet than American cereals. And so it's interesting because we have an unsweetened skew, as well, mm-hmm. that we launched with, and that is zero sugar. It's literally four ingredients, and I remember pre-COVID when we would see people, they would try it. A lot of European people would be like, oh my God, this is so great because it's not sweet. It just has that like cereal crunch and experience, but it's not how all these American cereals experience. So it's a really interesting category.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, amongst my friends, you know, I remember in college... I had a roommate who, I mean, all he ate was cereal is what it seemed like, right? Yeah. yeah. He was just, a, people are big fans of cereal, you know? And, and I think you're right. It kind of hits a certain nostalgia and, and, you know, a little comfort, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. So you have three SKUs, is that right? We na-
0: So we launched with three. We are now on seven. Okay. Um, and what did so you launch with? We launched, and, and so this is like overall, the way we look at this is okay. we're not trying to reinvent uh, we've reinvented enough by really breaking down what cereal used to be made out of and create mm-hmm. something entirely different. So let's give people the experience they want. Right. So we launched with a honey, uh, cinnamon and the unsweetened, and those are reminiscent of your honey nut Cheerios, your cinnamon toast crunch, your you know yellow box Cheerios on the unsweetened. And then the cereal flavors we added on was, We added a cocoa, we added a fruity, we added a frosted, we just did a limited edition pumpkin spice that was exclusive to um, Sprouts as a retailer. And so it's been great because people are getting the, the classics they really missed and are now consuming them, feeling great about that decision. And it's been really wonderful to see the consumer reception of every time we launch a new flavor, there's just like such excitement about it.
1: Have you released any information about, you know, which are your best sellers or, you know, are you liberty to talk about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, so I think naturally the ones that have been in market the longest are going to have way more data on them, right? So we know yeah. our cin- our cinnamon is so good, but all of the flavors have really picked up traction as we observe them over the weeks in terms of sales. They all do really well. It's just, they're super specific, right? When you think about how people feel about cereal, it's... I don't really know many people that are like, I love all cereal flavors. Like everyone's like, I got a top three. And so it's really particular. There are people that like live and die for cinnamon, live and die for fruity, or like cocoa becomes that evening, like bowl after dinner where you have that crunchy, that chocolatey, it feels like all these little nuances. So I think it's so specific. And that's why we love having this wider array of flavors where you feel like you're going back to the cereal you really loved. Growing
1: up, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah, and I think that's an important, you know. And I, I think also what you guys did, which is launch with a limited number of SKUs, right? You didn't go out go out the door with seven Hold SKUs, away. just because of the difficulty and the cost. And so it's interesting what you said earlier about, you know, when you looked at this when you started looking at your baby you know, eating cereal and realize that you hadn't had cereal for a long time. Is that pretty common? Like in your research, have you found that's common amongst adults where, you know, they may have had a lot of cereal as a kid, but they they stopped consuming it as an adult?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think even beyond, you know, my generation, I look at my in-laws or my parents, my grandparents and just seeing... You know, it's frequent doctor visits. Doctors are saying, hey, you need to cut out gluten, you need to cut out sugar, you need to cut out all of these things that were so fine. And like we're in these commercials of, you know, essential parts of a healthy breakfast in the 1950s was basically a bowl of sugar. And so I think overall, everyone is having to cut these things out, whether it's by choice or not it's a common problem. It really, like everyone knows it's not good to fuel your body with sugar, right? There are all these campaigns about how you should be starting your day or what you should be consuming. So I identified it via my child because I haven't had it and that you know, brought me to it again. But there are people that have been eating cereal forever and have had to stop. So this has been even more exciting for them versus me who kind of forgot about it, but is so excited to get reintroduced.
1: Right. Well, let's let's switch gears a little bit. So it sounds like you you put a lot of research, a lot of energy into you know first and foremost creating a great product, right? And you know you had pretty discerning tastes with your kid being um, picky. You wanted to make sure he enjoyed it, right? Totally. Uh, and so you've got this great product. Now uh, let's let's switch to okay. You want to get the word out. What what did you guys do? What was kind of the playbook that you were in order to, to start marketing this?
0: Yeah. So we launched. So we launched online and uh, brick and mortar kind of simultaneously. But what's interesting about brick and mortar and online, they, they drive each other. So instead of focusing on one channel... It was, you see it in store, but you don't know if you're going to buy it. So maybe you look it up on Instagram and then you're like, oh, people are enjoying it. Or you see it online in an ad and then you see it in the store. So you pick it up in store. And so it's interesting to see how those complement each other. But we've really, it just started, it's 10 people that know 10 people that know 10 people. So one part of it was we would seed it and send it out to some influencers. We didn't pay people. It was like, hey, if you love this product, please feel free to share it. And that organically did its own thing. then additionally, what we did for the first couple of months when we launched, we had a retailer here local to where we are that decided to take the product. And on, on Saturday and Sunday, Ian and I would go into stores and we would sample it for two to three hours. And within two to three hours, we would sell two, 300 boxes of cereal. And that for us was the biggest testament that someone would love it when they try it. Because I think the skepticism is definitely there when... You see healthy anything, I think you assume it's going to taste a little off. And so here, the best proof was children and parents walking a store aisle, pick it up and try it, fall in love with it, buy it and continue to buy it. And so that for us was one amazing proof of concept, but two also started to get that drumbeat in retail going and growing and allowed us to get a little bit of a case study to then bring to additional retailers. So it was really important for us to do both at the same time. But something that you mentioned earlier was how did COVID affect it? And what was uh-huh. interesting there was it was a shift where people were nervous to go to stores, nervous to now walk the aisles and discover it the way that they did before. I think something about retail shopping is therapeutic. You walk the aisles, you pick up new things, you put some things back. And so there's an experience. And I think COVID took a little bit of that away. So we had to quickly shift our focus to how do we educate and attract the consumer online. And so whether they're buying it through a delivery service at their local grocery store, or if they're buying it from our website. So we relaunched our website to make a really nice and simple path to purchase for the consumer. That Mm -hmm. was within six weeks of probably COVID. So April, we had a new website up and that really, that did a wonderful job and helped a lot. And it was just overall thinking of what are the other things that you could do to get earned media? And so we had a moment in like peak COVID Mm -hmm where I have a u-shaped driveway in front of my house and we're like okay we used to do these samplings every weekend we can't do them anymore how are people going to try it no they love it and so we set up with masks and tongs we did these little cups and in front of our driveway we like painted a sign in front of our driveway just like decided to set up shop and let people try it and whether they went home and bought it great uh, totally up to them. But I think what was interesting was a few things about it. One, we were able to really talk to our local community. We were able to create some good sentiment during a really weird time in a news cycle. And I think in turn, what it did for us was got us a lot of press and, and pickup. And so we had a, like nearly probably a three minute segment on national TV in the, like during the day. And that was our biggest sales day in company history, probably even to date it was great and so um, yeah, tell us little,
1: a, a little bit yeah. about that like um anyway finish finish your story but i want to dig into that
0: yeah but overall i think just being nimble and having these uh-huh. like interesting fun gorilla-esque tactics there's we did a ton more really fun like stunt things afterwards some land some don't and you just learn about it as you continue to go but uh-huh. it's it's really for us it's How do we continue telling people, hey, we're new, we're delicious, our macros are great, you should try us, but also leave them feeling some type of way. I think people, especially with brands, you want someone to love your brand because whether I release a different SKU in six months, a year, whatever it is, I want them to have some feeling about it and really become um, someone that evangelizes the brand
1: right understood yeah and, and it looks like you guys you know have done some pretty good pr you've you know you're on business insider and pop sugar you know and, and and people are writing you know pretty amazing things about you guys you know and i know that this stuff doesn't just happen right you can't just wait for them to find you you know and so maybe what we can do is dig into that example of the national broadcast that that national exposure that was your biggest day what what do you think led up to that why do you think that you were able to be featured like that
0: yeah, so we told a story here locally. So we're here in Westchester. We had someone cover it locally. It was then syndicated through US Today, USA Today that owns the smaller local pub. And then a producer at Fox saw the US, USA Today feature and just gave us a call. There was, it was really just like, hey, let's throw things against the wall. And if they stick, they stick. But for us, it was, let's create a moment and this mm-hmm. was like, whether it goes anywhere or not, it, we wanted to do something that would also be great for our community and like everyone to feel a certain way about being out and about and, and seeing faces and not being terrified. I think there was a lot of the the news cycle is so scary and and really just like weird to be a part of. So I think that just having smiles and seeing people smile behind a mask was a nice thing. But beyond that, it was really create an interesting moment to be talked about during a time that really needed it. And so we got lucky in a way, but we also created a moment for the news to talk about. So I think everyone won and everyone was happy from it.
1: So what was this story? Like what was, you know, um,
0: local the, mo- the startup. moment that you
1: were creating yeah go ahead.
0: yeah it was, it was startup i don't remember the headline mm-hmm. but it was like serial startup like host said drive-through serial sampling was the, the headline mm-hmm. but it was more about you know, what we're doing as small businesses to thrive to be a part of community to just continue figuring out a way to survive in a really weird time mm-hmm. and for us it was how did we get sampling was our thing we couldn't sample here. We found a way to creatively sample, and so they were just excited to, to just talk about what you can do or what like examples of being nimble and, and smart were. And so I'm glad we got to be a part of that story.
1: So, were you and your husband interviewed, and were you nervous? How did you feel about it? You know, yeah,
0: so Ian um, has done quite a bit of time on TV prior on the advertising side, so he's. He would be on morning shows and CNBC every now and then. So he was fine. When we launched, so when we launched, we had a hit. This was another interesting way where retail fed it. So when we were sampling, one of the producers for Good Day New York tried our product mm-hmm. and reached out to us about, I was—I think it was also like small family businesses or something—and we basically launched our product on Friday on a Good Day New York segment. And I was like sweating bullets before this interview, <laughs> and then I go on and I was like, "Ah, oh, this is great!" And everyone's like, "You're so natural. You crashed it." Then we had another segment a couple of weeks later, so I got very somehow comfortable with doing TV, and I honestly love it. Okay. And I wish I had more opportunities to do it. So who knows what the future holds? But you—you're obviously nervous. It's live. You don't know what they're going to ask you. There's no going back, turning someone's TV off, scrubbing it and do it again. I'm like, what if they put me on the spot? What am I going to say? And so if the other thing is, oh, you know, Ian and I are both on. How do we know that one of us is going to pick up the cue to start talking when the other one should stop? It was just really funny. Um, but you figure it out and you get really good at it. And I really enjoy it.
1: What what do you think kind of surprised you about it? Like, what do you think you like about it? You know, and, and I ask because I think that there are other, you know, food entrepreneurs out there who have the same sort of nervousness, you know, the same concerns.
0: Yeah, I'm really just passionate and happy to be able to do what I do. And the same way, it's like, oh, how do you go talk to buyers? We're all humans. We are all doing something to better ourselves for me it's creating a cereal that i could share with the world and allow people to consume better healthier food Uh, and they are trying to curate better products for their store and so the same way i pitch and sell to them is the same way i speak and pitch a human that's happens to be a tv anchor and it's funny one of the interviews i did you could tell i was like a little nervous before the camera turned on and and the anchor turns to me and he goes pretend we're in a bar we're grabbing a drink and we're just talking i'm like honestly yes and that was great. Really great advice. We're all, we're just humans hanging out, talking. There just happens to be a camera rolling and there happens to be the fact that you're probably on a million TV screens throughout the country. But right, besides right. that, it's really, it's, we're all people.
1: Yeah, that's great advice. That's definitely something that, that we need to keep in mind. Well, let's, let's just turn to the future a little bit. What's, what's next for you guys? You know, what do you have planned?
0: Yeah, we definitely want to just continue spreading word, creating great cereal. I think for us, it's, as long as we're getting into people's cupboards and they're trying us, we, knew, we know that we have something really special uh, and that's really exciting. And so it just continue to become America's top-selling healthy cereal. That's what we're really excited about. And to become that trusted household name I think one, something that's special about Three Wishes as a brand name, aside from the fact that it was about the three wishing grads, it was the three benefits we had that we're bringing to the category. But more importantly, we didn't set out to do happy O's or delicious O's. It was not so product specific. It was definitely more about how do we create a beautiful platform brand where people feel comfortable, excited, and really anything that we create feels like, okay, I know they care about ingredients. I know they care about taste and they're going to make sure it tastes great. And this is a brand I love and I want to keep in my cupboards. And so that's really the goal, continue to do exactly that.
1: And so it, it sounds like you're alluding that you guys you know, may you know, even step out of the, the cereal um, category to other products. Is that something that you're planning on doing? And, and how are you thinking about that?
0: Yeah, so I think innovation is a really hard thing. And so we're always working on things behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't launch anything unless I felt a thousand percent confident and excited about what that is, like I did with cereal. So for now, it's yes. Are we always working on things in the kitchen? Absolutely. Is there anything coming to market next week? Probably not. But there's always, always something cooking.
1: Okay, got it. Well, let's uh, let's switch over to the the quick fire round. I've got four questions for you. And then we can wrap things up. Cool. What is one tool or resource that has helped you in your career?
0: Writing things down. I was the biggest believer in my memory is going to remember it. And then you have multiple children, multiple businesses, writing it down, even if it is in your iPhone notes section has, or calendar has changed my life.
1: So I'm always curious, do you do you use the iPhone notes? Is that the, the app yeah. that you go with? Notes, you... notes is it. I've tried Evernote. I've tried, you know, I can't uh, consolidate everything into one. So my notes are everywhere. Yeah. Uh, what is a, a book that you can recommend to the audience?
0: Ooh, that's a good one. I haven't read a good book in a long time. And that could probably be because children and the pandemic and businesses. I don't even have one timeline. I'm trying to think of what I read. Hmm.
1: Do you have like a, you know, website or something that you go to learn or, you know, some sort of resource that you use to to further your understanding and knowledge?
0: I really enjoy all of the email industry roundups. So whether, or just like news roundups, Axios, Uh uh, Morning Brew, Retail Brew, all of the industry news that can, or Lean Lux is great. Anything that can summarize what's going on in the world or in business in one email is I love some digestible content always.
1: Okay, that's great. What about one piece of advice that you'd give to your 21-year-old self?
0: keep doing what you're doing girl it's i think it's really just continue following your your gut you've gotten this far don't allow you're always gonna have negativity and people saying no and continuing to just pursue and have that courage back to the walt disney point is it just do what you do keep going keep trucking
1: awesome and then uh, what about one person um, in your industry or your field of work that, you know, maybe maybe somebody that you're watching or a brand that you're watching that where there's somebody that you'd love to take to lunch? Mm. Is there anybody that comes to mind?
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I love Gail Becker of Call of Power. She's done an incredible job building a massive brand that has such brand love. And she is truly a wonderful, wonderful actual human as well so love you gail becker
1: <laughs> awesome all right well let's let's wrap this up how or i guess what's the best way for people to reach out to you or to to you know to contact you if, if they want yeah.
0: to you can find us on social at three wishes spelled out you can find me on social at mb wish and you could always shoot us a note hi at three wishes com.
1: and the website is three wishes com. Yep. And I have a cereal right here on, on the checkout. I have a daughter that's um, gluten intolerant. So this will be great. I, I definitely want her to try it. it. Any parting advice for, you know, fellow food entrepreneurs out there that are, you know, kind of in the grind right now? Maybe they've got an idea, they want to launch it, or they're already, they're already launched. What, what would you say to them?
0: Don't take no for an answer. Whether it's a co-packer, a retailer your spouse, anybody um, really, you could, if, if you really know that you've figured out a brilliant solution for an annoying problem, keep going. Sky's okay. the limit.
1: Awesome. I love to end it on that. So, Hey, thanks a lot, Margaret. We appreciate you taking the time. This has been fantastic.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Ken.
1: Okay. We'll see ya. The physical product movement podcast is brought to you by Fiddle. To find out more about Fiddle and how our industry leading inventory ops platform is giving modern brands and manufacturers full visibility into their inventory and operations, visit fiddle.io. And then make sure to search for physical product movement in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Fiddle,